0: Hey, folks, I'm Tom. I'm KJ. You know the drill. We're back here once again to remind you about the benefits of the Dunlap Champions Club. If you haven't sampled it still, well, find one of your friends or somebody that has, you know, the spring game in the rearview mirror. Certainly uh, some other folks got an opportunity in there to enjoy what is uh, just terrific space. Every now and then when you're hanging out in the Dunlap Champions Club, an MC Hammer concert breaks out, too, so you never know what you're going to get.
1: And if you haven't had the opportunity to even be there, you can schedule a private tour. Just call 850-644-1830. Tickets are available. It's a, it's a home schedule that uh, you'll enjoy visiting there, and particularly if we're getting to those noon, noon kickoffs, you'll be air-conditioned and ready to go. Well, that
0: is a good point. I just, in general, I didn't want to have a noon kickoff conversation but i get your point point. and the home schedule of course includes miami nc state louisville syracuse uh whatever it is the number to call or, or, or go online seminoles.com uh, slash tickets
1: and check out the dunlap champions club and we really like them because they allow us to then put this on the podcast and it's without commercial interruption is that how we say it this being front row knolls
2: take it away
0: Hello, everybody. Tom and KJ back to close out the month of July. How does that sound? It sounds good. It sounds good. Football season starts next month. And by after midnight tonight, we can say it starts this month. There you go. Or you could say it starts in 154 days. We're not going there. No. Maybe, well, I may come back. Maybe to next later. segment. I may maybe next come segment. back to it later. So things are going well. We don't talk much recruiting, but Saturday Night Live event seemed to be a home run. I
1: would agree. Uh, it's... it's amazing the things that have changed in, in, in just the last 10 years relative to how things are done. Uh, I mean, who would have thought that you would invite your prospects to come in and quote, unquote, work out for you? And they would come because they want to see who else is there and they want to show for the coaches and whoever else is allowed in to to, to witness it. And, and And instead of you going to them, they come to you. Well, you create a a cool factor. Mm-hmm. you got to be
0: there. And uh, this year's recruiting class appears to be really tight in that they all recruit, including the quarterback committee who's coming in. Again, this is not our area of expertise per se, but Florida State got four commitments out of it and, and probably more. I think as we're sitting here, there's been four that have been announced, including a top running back last night. So all of a sudden, FSU is back into the top ten in recruiting. And, and rather than dive deeper into territory that we don't really study that closely, I would just suggest that if you look at the last two years, and, and everybody's making this point, seven and six, a win in the Independence Bowl, five and seven bowl streak ended. To be sitting at number eight right now in recruiting, with no decommits,
1: that's pretty impressive. And I think the the, the that last part about the no decommits is, uh, and we've talked about this a little bit. You know, technically, technically, none of these guys have an offer. You cannot extend an actual offer until August 1st. That's when the official on the letterhead goes right. out and it goes to them. Everything is just agreement and, and handshake and, and verbal. And, you know, we you and I have talked about the commit versus decommit. What does that really mean? But to go without a single decommit in the 2020 class, given everything else that goes on and how easy it is to do it, there is some... Pat on the back to the staff for that. There's no question. And I think,
0: you know, they'll probably – the odds would say they'll they'll lose one or two at some point. But if they don't, even more kudos. Exactly. Now, they got to produce on the field, and that leads to a conversation we haven't had since maybe when the schedule first came out. It's the uh, the always scintillating win-loss game, Keith. I mean, we might as well just dive right into this. It's time. Or do you want to save this for the end of the show? and No, it more we'll go
1: be... now. We'll go now. All that right. way I can think about it and disagree with you later.
0: Boise State – when? We don't have to complain about the fact that FSU's playing Boise State because Lord knows FSU folks have done that ever since that contract was signed. When? We don't have to complain about the fact that it's in Jacksonville because Lord knows everybody's complained about that. When? August 31st in Jacksonville.
1: When? FSU home game on the road in Jacksonville if you will. This probably is as big a single game against a I'm going to say non-ranked opponent, I mean, other than Miami or Florida or, you know, when you're playing Clemson when they're number one in the country. This is probably the biggest game of its type in what, the last 10 years? Probably. Maybe, Maybe even the last 20 years? Because it sets the tone about whether 2018 is truly behind us and 2019 is truly. I think
0: it's cri- it's as critically important as any game I can think of for the fan base and the fans. That's who I'm talking about. Yes, which, which relates the program, to, which relates to revenue and all that. I think you can lose the game and the the players, especially now. Willie's got two years of his. Uh, you know commits on the team I think you've got more people all pulling in the same direction I don't want to say everybody was you know pulling in different directions last year I think some people were just not Stand necessarily still. committed they were just standing you know, still I'm not sure I buy into this offense so I'm not really pulling as hard as I should be it's not that I'm pulling the
1: other way uh, I think the team could recover better than the fan base is a short way to put that but I do think they will win that ball game and, and I'm hoping that they win it I don't want to say a blowout. I don't want to be optimistic and say 40 to nothing, and Florida State's going to immediately bolt to a top 10 ranking. But I I hope it's a convincing win. I hope it's not tooth and nail and at the last minute. I hope they go out and they establish
0: that it's a fun game i.e it's 45 35 so maybe you don't consider it convincing but the offense look good and
1: yeah but I, as a defensive oh, Keith, player Keith wants I, 42 well i would hate giving up 35 points but that's just me i, I understand what i you're know saying.
0: that's the that's more than the points your team gave up in 1980 combined over the course of the year but you're gonna have to adjust to the fact at some point that offenses are scoring at this clip yes sir i'm just saying that's the yes, way sir. it is yes sir okay so we got a w there i would agree with that Louisiana
1: Monroe, that's a game that you have to come out and dominate.
0: That's a win. Yes. Side note, one of my wife's good friends, her son is the starting tight end for Louisiana Monroe, and they may be in staying with us, not the tight end, but the the friends. So it'll be a grudge match in the block household. At Virginia, now you know that I have, since day one, I have pointed out that this one scares me, mainly because it just gets swept up into the schedule is so much easier this year and I'm telling you at Virginia is going to be more difficult than Virginia Tech was at home last year based on the way last season played out for the Hokies, because they barely extended their bowl streak, and based on what Broncos got going at Virginia. So I actually have that as a loss and I'd be glad to be proven wrong.
1: I, I am dead even on the middle in on the fence. I'm uncomfortable. But I I can I could argue both ways depending on what was to my advantage.
0: I think we probably would be in agreement, and most that I've heard offer this, think that FSU will be sitting 2-1 and one after the first three games, whether it's Boise State or Virginia. Now, if you lose Boise State, you're going to be sweating to get the 2-1. and one. Okay, Louisville at home. Win. I agree. Louisville's a mess. I do think their new coach, who's 180 degrees from what Bobby Petrino was, will do a good job there. Uh, which is to say he's a good guy. So you can, <laughs> you can read, read between the read lines. Read between the lines at this point. NC State, I I do like FSU at home here. I, if you play out of that scenario being 3-1, and one, it's been a long time since FSU's been 3-1 and one and people have been feeling good in September about the program. Now NC State's replacing quarterback, replacing some key guys at the line, but, but Dave Doran has turned the corner a little bit there. First couple of years we weren't real sure because he wasn't beating anybody he shouldn't. Uh, he was beating the bottom of the league but but maybe and he doesn't have a lot of signature wins i i do like fsu there
1: uh, i would hate that game if it were a thursday night game up in raleigh you know how badly that has gone for florida state but yes i like florida state's chances at home against nc state most definitely
0: then we got the bye week to get ready for clemson so that's an automatic w right is that where you last i checked yeah so so we both got fsu sitting at four and, uh what would that be four and two right there Yes, or five and one, four and two, halfway through. If, if you're you're taking a win over Clemson,
1: no, I'm going into the Clemson.
0: Uh, well, there's five five games before that, and you've got a loss to Virginia. Or you're on the fence. You might say five and zero into Clemson is where we're differing. Correct. And I'm saying four and one into Clemson. Okay, I got you. But you're not taking a win at Clemson. No, Gotcha. How about Wake? You go from Death Valley to Snuggy Hill. I mean, you talk about back to back challenges on the road don't even go there
1: i'll pull a jeff cameron on your butt
0: (laughs) i'll be honest i only remember i only have one real good memory from being at wake forest now florida state you know they've lost some they've won plenty the only one that was even enjoyable was in 13 when it was 35 nothing after the first quarter every other game has been you know we had Auden tate bail us out there's uh there was the game way back uh somebody got hurt one of those lots games? of guys got hurt before they changed the turf there was the game i tell the story because you just had to see it to believe it it was savvy at kicking into the net on the sideline and he missed the net he missed the net <laughs> and, and the, the ball went
1: out the, the ball field. went
0: on the field now the teams were at the other end and he had to run out like the kid who retrieves the kickoff tee he had to do that in the middle of the game and if i had not and it was right in front of the student section the way it's set up at wake which is you know 42 students were, were harassing him i've got to win there as well syracuse
1: at home now that one, that one is right up there with um, uh, any game of I mean, right there with Virginia in terms of my. I think Syracuse is really, really good. I think uh, Coach Dino has them playing very, very physical, and you'll be seven, eight weeks into the season by then, and and they'll be jailed from a defensive standpoint. Um, I still think Florida State can win that ball game, but that that will probably be a very, very tight ball game.
0: Yeah, I would look at it between Syracuse and Miami, who's next. I think they're going to lose one of those, and I'd rather lose to Syracuse than Miami. I mean, to your point about the Orange, you could say, you know, Syracuse and Dino Babers, he's off the Baylor tree, and they're in year four of his system, and really this is year one of, of Bryles doing it, year two, if you want to give uh, credit there. So, in other words, they're a little bit further along. Now, we'll see. The, the mystery for Syracuse is that their quarterback, who went in last year, what's his name, DeVito? Tommy DeVito? Is that right? I believe that's correct. He had incredible touch against FSU. He's not as big of a running threat as Dungey, and I don't know how that will impact their offense. Uh, so, for the sake of it, I'll say loss, because if, as I'm counting this up, it's going to come out, and I'm going to have like 10-2 and two or 11-1, and one, which is really not where I think this is, is going. I think – Eight to nine is where this team will end up. And there's a lot of games that could get NC State, coin flip, Syracuse, coin flip. Virginia, you have as a coin flip. Um, Miami, you know, now Florida State was not the better team last year, but should have won. And you can look at the history of this rivalry. it, It doesn't matter even when one team has been markedly better than the other. It's been a one score type game. I am taking FSU here. Then you got at Boston College, and I don't know what they have back, but the just the line of scrimmage physicality scares me, given Florida State's OL issues and, and the pass rush issues. But, but I'll, you should be able to out-athlete them. Yes, but we've said that ever since BC joined the league. And we've been successful most of the time. Most of the time. Alabama State, that's a W. At Florida, I've got that as an L.
1: I do, too. I, I'm with you. I think eight wins, I would bet. Good money. Nine wins, I'd make a bet, but I wouldn't bet a lot. Yeah, it's and it's easier, and obviously you
0: can't do this in Vegas, to group it in twos. Like I would, Things would have to go really wrong to be at six or seven wins, in my opinion. Eight or nine is probably where they, they should be, based on marked improvement on the coaching staff, year two of the system, still good athletes. It's not like FSU has five and seven athletes on this team. It, getting north of nine in the regular season, i.e. getting to ten, would take... Everything's going right. Good turnover luck. Somebody emerges. All, all of the intangibles. There's an offensive tackle that's lights out that was terrible last year and was a
1: turnstile. All the intangibles would have to go your way, and you you would have to build that momentum. I mean, you, you, you know, we're it, it's not like they're, they would be the Cinderella team because Florida State is a named team, but it would be like a Cinderella season for them to get to, to 10 or more, in my opinion. So that leads to we're back in the bowl business. Where do you want to go bowling this year, Keith? I mean, I, I,
0: San Diego and Boston are not on the menu yet. They come in next year, so you can't choose those. I, I,
1: I you want I, to go back to El Paso? I will tell you something that you probably won't believe. Well, you might. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Just get me to a bowl. Yeah, I hear you on that. I mean, I, that was the most awkward two weeks of december or first week of january that i've spent well literally in 30 years you know i know i had some basketball to do you did a basketball game with me down in orlando but gee whiz i was twiddling my thumbs not knowing where to go and what to do just start a new streak is what you're
0: saying exactly i would agree with you so beggars can't be choosers man it's hard to put it like that and by the way when i said return to el paso you went there when you were a Student athlete, I guess, for some ceremony, not to play in the bowl game. But has FSU played out there? They have. They played like in the fifties.
1: No, I believe it was in the sixties or late sixties. Okay, uh, I, I believe they do. We could look it up. But yes, I believe they have. But not as part of the ACC, and having no, that be a no, bowl time. No. And let's
0: not go to El Paso. Well, or back to Shreveport. I like Shreveport. I would go back this year. I don't want to go back anymore after that. Although, can we get to Orlando? I mean, Shreveport did have casinos. Yeah.
1: But you remember Coach Taggart's line? You were in the locker room after the Shreveport yeah, game. Yeah, he said,
0: by the way, we ain't coming back here. <laughs> I, sadly, he would have taken that last year, though. I would think had, so. had he known the way things I were going to go. I think so. All right, our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefeld, has all the answers. He's even going to predict the final scores of every game. Uh, well, maybe not, but we'll see. Uh, he joins us next here in Front Row Knowles.
2: on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith.
0: Back on Front Row Knowles, Tom and KJ with you. That music must mean... That it's time to open up that Earl Bacon Agency hotline and say hello to our good friend and Seminoles.com dot com insider Tim Linnfelt. First, I'll remind you the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together, and then we'll say greetings to Tim. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Tom. How are you? I'm fantastic, and I'm so. Pretty- the season starts on December thirtieth. Oh, you went right there, <laughs>
3: <laughs> man. Just uh, just tee it right up. Huh? Just te- You wanted to go right. It is so. I, I'm, I, I, you know, I don't know how I feel about getting social media jokes from the guy who's not even on social media. Well, the well, problem that, is, that, I that, saw. I that. think that
0: is well stated. He
1: can't have an opinion if.
3: Yeah.
0: yeah. Hey, if like you're they, not going yeah, like to vote,
3: if you're not going to vote, then we don't need to
0: listen to your opinion. Someone exactly. sent
1: it to me. Moving Someone sent it to me, and I under here's what's bad. I understood what it meant. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I was wanting more scared.
0: I do want to just go ahead and and put a line in the sand. I can't say this about many things, but I was ahead of the Twitter time and my era with the countdowns because I started this like eight years ago and nobody was doing countdowns. And you did, I, did, you I, did, you I did, I did. You see, Tim can attest this it, is true, right? and I will as well. I will as well.
3: I will start also, somewhere around Easter, I think.
0: Yeah, well, I did three years of a hundred-day countdowns, and I didn't do them the smart way, which would be to use TweetDeck or something, so you could just spend one evening with a six-pack of beer and calendar them out. No, I actually got up and tweeted them every day so I could react with people. But anyway, well,
3: that, more I like it.
0: That, then it got to the point, though, where everybody was doing them. And I said, I can't compete. I'm waving the towel. And I have I have yet to figure out where I'm going to evolve to. I did notice the other day uh, related to social media when I looked at that. It was actually one hundred and fifty four days from the Orange Bowl. So, Tim, we'll start there. December 30th is the Orange Bowl. You know, maybe that was a prophetic tweet. Maybe we're looking ahead. You know, maybe that's where we're headed this year. What do you
3: think? I mean, doesn't sound that crazy to me, does it? You know, there's a lot of ways to get there these days. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's going uh, to look awfully different come, de- was it, December 30th, the 29th? Yeah,
0: exactly right. So what is, mm-hmm. what is your feeling? Uh, I will say, the reason I answered fantastic, by the way, before Keith took us down the social media rabbit hole, and you notice he's been quiet because we, we just shut him up on that. Mm-hmm. I feel like this was the most painless July we've had. I mean, I like I woke up and it's July thirty first, and the season starts one month from today. How did that happen?
3: Yeah, I kind of agree with you actually. Uh, well, for me personally, I, I had uh, different uh, multiple and separate vacations. Yeah, the, uh, the the month went pretty quick for me. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I think the the, the more important thing is that when the season starts on August thirty first, you know, it sound like a big difference from. September 2nd or September 5th or whatever, you know, the the seasons have started in the last couple years and they start the first week of September, but when you actually get in it and that makes a, you know, a two, three, four, five-day difference uh, in the start of fall camp and and essentially the start of the season, certainly for those uh, of us in the media or people who follow the team on a daily basis, you know, the season really doesn't start in September or or in week one. It starts with the start of camp, you know, as far as as guys like you and I are concerned. Uh, It kind of moves your timeline up a little bit, so uh, yeah, I think that, you know this July felt uh, felt really short uh, all of a sudden. But then I also stop and think, you know, the Fourth of July which was earlier this month. Uh, feels like a it was long, on the fourth time time this ago. month,
0: wasn't it? It
1: was, on yeah, the fourth, it, was yeah. it was. for the uh, uh, I guess
3: uh, a long time in a row, huh?
1: Well, let's get to basics, though, kids. Uh, we haven't seen the official announcement, but the kids are going to report and first camp will, uh, will first practice rather will be on Friday. Is that the the game plan as you understand it?
3: That is my expectation.
1: So
0: how early will you have to set the alarm, Tim? Or do you just spring out of bed at 4.30 routinely anyway?
3: Exactly. You know me. I'm uh, when, when thirty. I'm in, I'm in bed by 6 and up by 6.
1: And will they practice that early in the morning? Or because school has not started, will they go a little bit later for I, good yeah, of the I, order? What I what I suspect they'll probably do,
3: and they did do this last year, uh, if you recall, we'll do a slightly earlier practice with just the freshmen for the first couple of days to get those guys. Uh, in the swing of things, and then after a few days, they'll join in uh, with the rest of the team. That's my uh, my expectation is that what they'll do again. I don't know that again for sure, but I believe that's probably going to be the plan again. I know Willie Taggart likes to do that. So, uh, you know, it's, it's not really uh, that much earlier than your average workday. I think they usually get going uh, in earnest by about 9 o'clock, and on days when they do media interviews, they, they try to do that about 20 or 30 minutes beforehand. So uh, it's not that crazy.
0: I just got to say, I would be totally in favor of it. I mean, you just wake up and get it over with instead of having that, you know. in, in Keith's day, you'll remember, they actually practice twice a day. We haven't had that conversation yet this year, but he's going to point it out. But, you know, 12 noon, you're eating lunch, and you're done.
1: Well, it's only yeah, it's only right. an hour show, so I don't want to get started okay. on it. I Definitely, there, there,
3: there aren't many uh, average work days, typical work days, that, that a significant portion of them are
1: spent on a football
3: practice field. But as far as it goes, uh, the, the schedule and then the flu of these kind of mirrors that sure.
0: This is fill-in-the-blank here, Tim. The top three storylines of this fall camp between now and Boise State will be number one. Okay,
3: Number one, are you asking or telling? I'm asking. Okay, Uh, first for me is the uh, big picture is the offense. Uh, What does it look like? Uh, Will it look better uh, under Kendall Bryles and, and by extension, Randy Clements and Ron Dugans? Uh, I think everything else. Uh, whether it's the quarterbacks, uh, the offensive line, uh, the running game with Cam Akers in his third year, so, to me those are all under that big umbrella of uh, of the offense. Number two, uh, and for me, uh, then it's a maybe taking a, a slightly more narrow focus. It's the pass rush, uh, replacing Brian Burns, and uh, and and where's that going to come from? You know, there's been a lot of talk about maybe some different defensive fronts, different schemes, different ways of doing things. Uh, I don't think it necessarily matters where your pass rush comes from, but it's got to come from somewhere and that's going to be one of the things that they have to answer uh, this week.
0: And number three?
3: You know, I, probably just kind of, again, back to the big picture stuff, is just, you know, what what is, what is Florida State going to look like? I mean, this is uncharted territory coming into a, a season off of uh, a sub-500 season. You know, a, a significant portion of Florida State's fan base wasn't alive the last time this happened, so it's kind of new and and everybody's just kind of waiting to see you know, what kind of changes have been made, uh, if any, uh, what kind of improvements have been made that, that can be seen from the practice field. Uh, I think you know, it's a, what's different from last year, uh, uh, you know, which of those things will emerge in the first few days of fall camp, uh, I think it's something
1: we're going to be keeping an eye on. We mentioned that July has gone very quickly and been very quiet. Uh, the good news about that is July is a time when – uh, you hear about police reports or academic issues or folks entering the transfer portal. Um, it, 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 it's been quite a, a, a quite a quiet summer. Does that bode well, or are we just holding our breath? Or, or, or what, what's your what's your overall optimism?
3: Oh, I, to, I have, uh, in terms of, of the summer, I, I think it's gone uh, you know really well. Obviously, none of the, the off-field type of stuff or the things that that, you know, really, really make you shake your head or, you know, kind of not look forward to going to work if you work next to Gator fans or whatever. You've been able to avoid most of that. And I think, you know, a little bit of or really a lot of momentum uh, over the last few days uh, with the success and, and some of the recruiting efforts, uh, you know, they've drawn some headlines for that. Um, so, you know, look, I mean, it, it was always going to be a long off season. Uh, any season that ends in November for Florida State, I, I think, is that way. But, uh, you know, the, the way it kind of goes with, with the hourglass, you know, these uh, these last few beads, the sand, so to speak, have really uh, have kind of hurried along through. Um, and, you know, it does seem like there's between, a, you know, a relatively uneventful offseason in a good way and then a little bit of a boost in momentum recently, uh, you know, it kind of starts to feel like you're going into fall camp on a, a reasonably high note.
0: Have you spent much time with Kendall Bryles at this point, Tim?
3: Not a ton, uh, a little bit, uh, especially in the in the spring. And when he was getting here, I shadowed him a little bit. Then you see him around, uh, see him around the office. But you know, we're, we're we're not like going to dinner or anything just yet.
0: Well, I was gonna one of the, to your point about the offense overall. I am intrigued to see this, and I'll give credit where credit is is due. Jeff Cameron, who hosts the, uh, as he puts it, the wildly popular Jeff Cameron Show weekdays three Two? to six, right here, yeah. Uh, actually, I think it was in the context of headlines. He talked about an article that was written by Sports Illustrated last year when Houston was riding high, and, and it talked a little bit about Bryles. So I went back and looked at it. Uh, you know, 19 seconds is kind of the benchmark. You know, last year for Houston, the best year at Baylor in terms of average between plays. Obviously, sometimes it's it's quicker than that. But it just it, it, it talked about how this offense works. And, and more than that, Bryles talked a little bit about there, there's been so much made about no playbook. Uh, which, at its core, is is maybe more simplistic, or that's how it's perceived. But his point was, today's generation doesn't want to read encyclopedias; they learn by playing video games, and so he just he really has slimmed it down and put it into a few plays and and get out there and go. So, and it's been successful. I just I, I'm like you; I'm really intrigued to see how that how that looks or translates to the
3: field. No, I, I'm the same way, and 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 look, man, I mean. Kendall Browse himself uh, certainly in, in the age uh, compared to other coaches uh, in college football. I mean, he's kind of a younger guy himself. He's mid-30s. Uh, and so, you know, it, it, it doesn't, doesn't surprise me that, that he would approach things in a different way. Uh, but, you know, the other thing about it, and, and I think that this is a, a, you know, I'm looking at it as, as a positive thing, is that, you know, he knows this offense. I mean, he grew up in it, right? I mean, he was essentially born into it. Uh, between his dad and, and, and the, the history and the background that he has at the different places throughout the state of Texas, um, you know, he's not learning on the fly with this kind of stuff. Um, he's not, you know, adapting. i mean, I'm not saying he's not adapting it, but, like, you know, he's, this is like a language kind of to him. And, you know, maybe it's, it's not expressed in the same way that we think traditionally in terms of playbooks or whatever, but he knows every single solitary thing about this offense, what it's designed to do, what each individual play is, is supposed to ha- You know, that, that sort of thing. I mean, it's just... And for, for him, uh, to have the kind of background that he does with this, it's not something that, you know, he got started as a GA and, and somebody took him under his wing and, and he, you know, he studied that way. I mean, he's he's known this offense since, you know, he was a little kid. And so, to me, that's a, that's a pretty impressive thing and it's a, a pretty exciting thought.
0: Yeah, I think the story relays that uh, at some point early in his Baylor tenure maybe that uh... – Art Bryles basically told the staff, look, we're going to become the fastest team in the country, so figure out how to make it work. You know, So that's where he yeah. was in terms of figuring that out. And little side note uh, that the article also points out, because Kendall's the one who signals in the plays. Uh, I guess he was at Baylor. There was a receiver on the far side of the field that couldn't see the signals. So he actually tapes his fingers now in the same way that a catcher might paint his fingernails so the pitcher can yeah. see the sign.
3: Yeah, he did, he did it during the spring. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So the athletic training staff, uh, that's probably, you know, just above. Did they budget for that? Just before the shoulder of black men or the knee of Akers is going to be the fingers of Bryles each and every <laughs> game day on Saturday. All yeah, right. We got to
3: see if we can get some, uh, some Bryce, uh, burn burn finger paint or, uh, nail paint or whatever.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. All right. So the quarterback thing, uh, this, this came up at, at ACC kickoff. We talked a little bit about it. Um, you know, is, is this Blackman's job to lose? Is that a fair way to put it as, as we go into camp? I mean, will you be surprised if it's not Blackman when we're in Jacksonville?
3: Personally, yeah, I'll be surprised. I will. Um, and, and I don't mean that as a, as a statement uh, of, uh, of, of, of any kind of degree on Alex Hornybrook. I just think that, you know, James Blackman has been at Florida State longer. He's been working in Kendall Brown's offense, even, even if it's just a, a little bit uh, longer. He's worked in that offense in the spring. He's working to hurry up. No huddle. Beyond that, uh, he you know he's familiar with his teammates. That sort of thing. Uh, that said, man, I you know I do also get a little uncomfortable when I hear some other folks who basically just sort of dismiss the idea of a quarterback competition outright. I don't know that I agree with that necessarily either. Um, I mean, look, there's been a lot of, of senior transfer quarterbacks over the last what decade or so of college football, and I don't know that a single solitary one of them went somewhere planning on sitting on the bench for a year and then leaving and then getting on with it. You know what I mean? Those guys look at situations, they talk to coaches, uh, and they go to a place where they feel like they can maximize the last year that they have as a college football player. And, and Alex Hornibroff, a guy who was 26-6 and six as a starter at Wisconsin, which, I mean, come on, and there's nothing to sneeze at, uh, surveyed his options and, and said that Florida State was a place where he could do that. Uh, and and unless you know I'm, I'm misreading his intentions, I I guarantee you he if, even if nobody else is planning on it he's planning on being a starter uh, in Jacksonville. And so I think just given that and, and given you know whatever it is that that must have, have led him here as opposed to somewhere else, uh, you know he believes that he has a chance to win this job. And, and you know I don't see any reason to think against that either.
1: Well, that crazy? no, not at all. The, the old school will tell you that even as good a kid as Blackman is and as hard as he works and the respect that he has from his teammates and his in the coaching staff, you need to be pushed in practice. You, you need to have your playing time uh, a little bit on the edge. Uh, that's just old school football. So someone coming in and pushing him, even if if he doesn't start, he'll push Blackman to a new level. And then, as we've seen, the age-old thing, something could happen to James and number two becomes number one real quick. And that whole story ends up being a positive, in my mind, uh, regardless of how it plays out.
3: Well, for sure. And then, you know, go back the last four or five seasons or so uh, at Florida State, how many times has it been that the Florida State, for one reason or another, has, has made it through an entire season with one starting quarterback? Uh, throughout the whole year now obviously you would like for that to happen but like you said keith i mean the reality is things happen and you got to be prepared so no matter what the case i you know i I think alex corny will factor in to this season how exactly and how much uh, we'll find out but i'll be really surprised if you don't hear from him somewhere
1: during the course of 2019 season and personally i would really really like to get an answer on travis And maybe you have three of one, them buddy. in there. Yeah,
0: they're, they're <laughs> yeah. going to send a notice to FSU like in mid-December and say, by the way, he was eligible this past year. Yeah, the Jeez. whole time. Yeah, the whole time. The irony of your statement about the quarterback staying healthy is that, you know, Blackman didn't start week one, but the year he started the full season, for all we've done fretting about his weight, he was the guy all year that year, was he not? So whereas some other guys that are a little bit thicker have been dinged up, you just never know. Hey, Tim, we'll let you get going, all righty?
3: I appreciate it, guys. Our Seminoles.com
0: insider, Tim Linnefeld. The The other thing to your point about, yes, you always need to have somebody pushing you, which was a big part of the key to the success, well, for any dynasty or, or team, certainly FSU in the 90s. It's also a big reason for the decline in recent years because there were starters, uh, and we don't need to look back too much, who probably shouldn't have been starting yet kept getting inserted in the starting lineup. And I'm talking about for off-field, whether it's academics or, or missing weightlifting or, or being late to practice, that type stuff. Uh, so then, it sends a message to the starter that I don't have to work hard, and, exactly. and it sends a message to the backup that no matter what I do, I'm not. I gonna can't start, get on the field, so I'm not going to work hard. Yep. So I think that that. Uh, well, I know that 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 part of the, the situation is turning around. Uh, this show, however, is going to remain pretty much static. That's what we do. I mean, this is as good as it gets, and I, as bad I, as it gets, I, all at once.
1: I beg your pardon. I push you. Eh,
0: I guess. I okay. Mean, all right. We'll take a break. Come back. See what we can do in uh, in the next segment here in front row and Stay with us. You
3: made, you made.
2: Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith.
0: Back on Front Row Knowles, I got so excited in, in this first segment, Keith, Counting Wins and Losses. I mean, you and I. Well, both, you're ready
1: to go. You're
0: you you're in mid season form. We both got to 14 wins in the regular season. So I mean, I think we're overly optimistic. But you know, no, go back and listen if you're just tuning in. We weren't. Cool. We're we're we're. Pretty realistic, I think. Realistic. I we don't, yeah. you know, the Kool Aid's not that, that garnet gold. Anyway, I I've, I neglected to uh, give a shout out to uh, our good friends at For the Table, uh, which includes Madison Social, but also Township. And I'll remind you that uh, Thursdays are Taco Thursdays. There, two dollar house tacos, which is chicken, beef, or veggie, or two dollars off mahi tacos, or uh, the shrimp tacos. So bear that in mind. And then. And I might add to this, but uh, four to eight on Saturday, all teachers of Leon County uh, at, in, in Leon County get their second drink for free. And and I might buy them their third or fourth since they're dealing with my kids, too, is, Understood. is what I'm suggesting. But uh, bigger than that, what I want to do is say uh, thank you to Matt Thompson and the For the Table group. I was doing the math, Keith, and I can't believe it. Now, there's been several iterations, but most of them have been here at 97.9. But I think this is year seven for Madison Social, because I remember I first met him and MADSO wasn't even open yet, and it opened in 2013. So I started doing the math, and they're about to turn six, which means we're going into year seven. There you go. Which means we're getting old. I am old. Have been. But uh, we appreciate their support. Also, uh, Prime Meridian Bank, back for another year. Thank you
1: much. They've been uh, big supporters of the program. Good people, good people. If you haven't checked them out, go to trymybank.com. And
0: uh, as long as we're – going through this uh, housekeeping so to speak also uh the champions club who has sponsored the the podcast for the last couple of years uh back on board again uh really wanted me to point out that the three-game packs are a good option to sample the dunlap champions club you can call 644-1830 option one to get more info on that i don't believe they're selling single game champions club tickets this year maybe they are if you're already a, a champions club seat holder but not the general public so three-game pack is a way to save at right, a minimum take, take the tour Take, take it take it time and go uh just see the facility you'll be glad you did all right so we've talked with tim we've already predicted wins we've picked a bowl game do we want to do anything outside of the football universe for just a little bit i mean we did lose an assistant coach in basketball and then get back to football
1: and and hats off to dennis gates we've dennis is, Denny's been on our show i've got an i had an opportunity to get to know him a little bit uh off the court as it were um He's taken over a program in Cleveland State that uh, is really in need of his direction and leadership. Uh, I think the Hoops uh, Twitter account, I do pay attention. Same thing. Things get sent to me. Uh, Coach Hamilton was actually in Cleveland for uh, Denny's uh, announcement as being hired as the head coach. And we've talked about this. He, He was up. Dennis Gates was up for the job in California based on everything I've been told last year. At the University of California, where he had played collegiately, and kind of felt like he, which probably he put got him misled. on the short
0: list. There, I don't know yeah. that he would be on the short list for other Power
1: Five jobs. Well, maybe, maybe, but I know he was disappointed in how that went. Yeah, the process as well as the outcome. And so, uh, I, I knew all along that that he would not long for Florida State, and and that, I mean that in a good way. And I think this is an opportunity for him to uh, experience. He obviously, uh, with a program of that of that size and that nature, he will be hands on with everything. Uh, so he'll get an opportunity to truly put his mark on everything, as opposed to going to a Power Five or, or something else. And he's just a, he's just a good guy. The biggest thing about Dennis and any of you have been the games. You know, much like Coach Hamilton, he's he kind of has one expression during the game. He's not very loud. He's not very boisterous. He's real quiet. But then when you go to practice, <laughs> he, he is Jekyll and Hyde. I mean, he is old school, hands-on, loud right. during practice, and it's hilarious. Do you think that his replacement will be somebody
0: that played for Hamilton, like a Luke Lauks who's been working in the front office with Golden State? I don't know if he has on-court ambitions as well or... Uh somebody that, that Leonard knows has been out on the recruiting trail turning over rocks. I would lean towards the latter. It,
1: it would be someone that's been turning over those rocks. Yeah. Uh and and uh replacing Dennis as a recruiter uh is going to be difficult. But if if I had to guess, that's where that leaning would go from Leonard. And I know I know Coach Ham and and Coach Bowden was the same way. Your old school coaches, they 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 have a list somewhere. You know, they got a, either a piece of paper, maybe it's on a computer now, I don't know. But, but they keep a list of, of if something happens with this coach, who do I go after? And it happens with that coach, who do I go after? So uh, I know Coach Hamilton has a short list of people that he's not going to divulge to anybody, but he's already working on, and I'll be just shocked if, if it doesn't take long for Leonard to make his move and bring in that, that assistant.
0: I'm grinning because I'm thinking about Leonard and recruiting, and it's making me think of the Austin P. story early in his career. And it's been at least two years since we've shared this. So, if you don't know, when Leonard was just at a college, I guess he was a graduate assistant at Austin P. and he recruited uh, a tremendous player for Austin P. named James Williams. And the short version is simply this: and Austin P. got pretty good, and and this guy was a ridiculous good player, and and uh, his nickname was Fly. James Fly Williams. So simply put, uh, the, the crowd would chant, "Fly is open." Let's go pee. And that's a true story. <laughs> that is a true story from this is like 1970 to 72. As you can look it up. And anytime we have a chance to share the Austin P. story, we need to. The point is, recruiting is is key. I mean, and then you think all the years he was at Kentucky. You know, Kentucky won a national title in '78, and uh, he was there, and he was the guy. And I don't know that you had to turn over rocks at Kentucky. Uh, you might have had to just show up, but he was recruiting and key to those guys that, well, that landed there. I'm, I'm, well, echo. it's the day before football starts, and we're now a full yeah. segment into basketball, Keith.
1: Well, the other part about Coach Coach Ham is he will do whatever it takes, and he he will tell the story. I'll tell the real condensed version, but there was a big name player, and I should remember who it is, but one of the big Kentucky players that that Leonard recruited. Uh, the the, the he actually rented a hotel room in the recruit's hometown. For the entire year and told the recruit if he ever needed anything to call him at his room, and then paid the clerk at the front desk and if there's ever a call that came in to call him immediately and he'd call him back yeah he never stayed in the hotel they just paid for the <laughs> room exactly yeah. and remember this was before cell phones and, and it mi- that might stuff. have been Sam Bowie that uh, it might very well it, been it, it might well have
0: been okay so let's uh let's bounce back to football then good weekend uh with with Saturday Night Live good recruiting we're gonna we're gonna roll out the balls this week and we talked about top three storylines with Tim if we if we expand beyond that I mean quarterback being the obvious one um, you know offensive line is obvious I think they're going to be I don't know if fine or okay is the word I think guard center guard they'll end up being okay I really don't know a lot about the the tackle transfer that came in from Northern Illinois but I'm penciling them in as one starter and that leaves the other side the other tackle as as maybe the biggest question mark
1: and, and I would agree I think two things and we've talked about these a little bit but two things that uh, are going to be advantageous about browse offense. Number one, you're not required, even in the running game, you're not required to hold your blocks as long. And in the passing game, you're not required to hold your blocks as long because the ball is intended to get out quickly. The other thing that the up-tempo does, and, and we've talked about this, our listeners will, will be familiar with this, the reason you go up-tempo is because it fatigues the defense more than it fatigues your offense. I mean, if you sit and track everything, a defense will run two or three times farther in terms of total yardage than an offensive player will because they're pursuing the ball. And so a defensive lineman, you know, will end up running sideline to sideline. You never see an offensive tackle getting to the sideline or very rarely. right? And so the whole purpose is to fatigue the defense. And then to not allow them to substitute so that you can get your better – And to uh, catch
0: them before they're lined
1: up or recognized. I mean, that's part of it too, yeah. So if you can execute the up tempo, which Florida State could not do last year, in and of itself, that gives you an opportunity. Now, the downsides, you go in there, run two quick plays, and now it's third and ten. Right. You know, sustaining drives, there's – you can't have you can't afford a number of three consecutive three and outs and those types of things. So it's a balancing act, but going back to what we saw in the spring game. They ran 98 combined plays in the first half and there was one penalty. And they looked good running both the f- ones and the twos and the split teams. Right. So we have reason to be optimistic, but again as I mentioned last time that Boise game is as important a game for the program, and when I say the program, as we've said, mainly for the fans, as any game in recent memory in terms of looking. you got to win, and then you got to look the part. I'm trying to think, if
0: you want to go there in terms of important games, and you played for Bobby early in his tenure, but he got to 10 wins so quick in 77 and, and 78, 9, and 80 that he wasn't on a hot seat then. I don't know what what was the temperature like in the early '80s after a couple of orange bowls. When when then you did miss a bowl, you know, in the Octoberfest year.
1: Well, I think everybody recognized in '81 the, the, the there had been such a. I mean, we lost eight starters on defense, and I'd have to count up how many we lost on offense. I mean, it was a complete turnover. So it wasn't it wasn't the same question that's being asked now, where there's correct,
0: right, correct. And then if you look early in Jimbo's year, it really it came in year two also, which was 2011 which was, you know, the Virginia loss at home. It was the Wake Forest loss on the road when Trickett started. Three in a row, I guess, on the downside. thing. But Maybe it started with Oklahoma that year. I forget.
1: Yeah, I guess it started with Oklahoma. You know, and, and again, if you go back and look at, at the big picture, yeah, you know, you know Co- coaches Taggart is on a hot seat. He's not on a hot seat to be fired. He's on a hot seat to perform. I mean, this is a, this is a pretty significant year in his career uh can he turn it around well and when you say that i mean if any coach went five and seven at fsu and followed it up with a five and seven year it doesn't matter their name right you're gonna you're, now, gonna, you're gonna ask that question he's still gonna be here in 2020 unless he chooses to leave which i don't see happening he's he's not going to be fired that's that's not even a consideration for people in the know but it's very important for his to his make progress program and and, to and i forward i really think they will i mean i'm
0: and again, you can, you can say the, the glass is half full. The simplest way to put it, and we've said it here on the show, last year everybody's expectations were too high, and, I, and when I say everybody, I mean mass public. This year I feel like it's too low. I mean, before you've even called a play, uh, you, you've got improvement across the board offensively. The system's going to run better. You've got a quarterback, and I haven't seen Hornibrook, but I know Blackman will at least have a feel in the pocket because for all of, you know, there was a lot of admiration for DeAndre Francois for being tough. But he brought that on himself a lot. It's like being a boxer and not protecting or anticipating that you're about to get decked. He never got rid of the ball. So all that's an improvement before you factor in year two in the system, uh, another year of the coaching staff working together, players being more bought in, an easier schedule, all those type things. So I do think that it's it's going to be a much better year.
1: And again, I'm repeating uh, and, and beating the dead horse, but last year's offensive staff was not Willie's pick. It was cabled and, and taped. Yeah, and it just didn't gel. Wired together. This year's offensive staff works well. Now, do they have the horses or you know, to, to run it? We'll see. But systematically and, and from a, them relating well with each other and working well together, that won't be an issue on the offensive side.
0: We'll see if Keith and I can continue to work well together for that. Uh, We remain on the struggle bus when we uh, finish up the show. Don't comment. Don't comment. We'll finish Front Row Knowles right after this.
2: Alondra Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith.
0: A few minutes to go on the show. I want to go back to where we started, Keith, and talk a little more recruiting. There's something you don't hear me say often on this show. What? Who is this? I what mentioned- have you done with Tom? I mentioned that Florida State's back into the top ten. And I do want to give you the cap. So first of all, I did used to, you know, I am the former voice of a 900 hotline at the Osceola. If you just leave off the last part, it'd be a whole lot funnier. I know, I know. <laughs> well, as a bullet on my resume, I don't include, I just include the, the 900 hotline part. Um, that makes so, your CV too? So I understand uh, some of the nuance to it. Although I, I don't follow it closely enough to know, you know, when you look at team rankings, it's a cumulative total. Uh, so if you have more recruits, you're going to have more points. It's kind of the reason Stanford wins the director. So, so, so Barrett, now, you can can break it down and you look at the per-recruit ranking, but you don't hear people talk about that as much. So here's the deal for Clemson. Their recruiting rankings in 12, 13, 14, 15 were 20th, 15th, 16th, and 9th. Then in 16, they were 11th. So they're borderline top 10, and it has to do with bringing in fewer players uh, so they're not getting the combined score but then the last few years you know a little bit of an uptick but they've gone 16th 7th 10th and now this year they're killing it this year they're they're first so and again it has to do with fewer prospects I'm not sure how they I mean they must have just done a better job of keeping those guys there and they're not losing players so they haven't had to fill as many spots Yes, you know, more more good players wins, but Clemson has found a way to do it without the number one class. And, and, but we're talking about them right now for winning two out of the last three titles. Well, here's the only fallacy. And they, and they do have the number one class right now.
1: Here's the only fallacy in looking at that that way. That's based on how fast they are, how high they jump, how strong they are what clemson has done a phenomenal job of doing is development is development yeah is development and that's the key and if you go back and look at the dynasty years of florida state and i know a lot of the recruiting stuff didn't exist back then so you can't go back and figure out you know odell Higgins out of bartow was a ex star um that's the one thing that propelled that dynasty you had a, a continuity of coaching uh, you know, Mickey on the defensive side, uh, you know developing players, both in the weight room and, 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 and off, off season stuff, because you, you we've talked about the fact those are great athletes. The, the rankings rank the great athletes. but a great athlete isn't always a great football player. and that's where staff and program and and, and part of the reason why you look at Alabama, and they've been able to combine both. They can go out and get the bigger, faster, stronger. And then they develop them when they well, get in. Well,
0: like FSU in the 80s, and we talked about this earlier, I mean, the backups were pressing to be starters. And that's where the accountability or lack of the last couple of years has really hurt the development of players. I mean, everybody talks about, well, the coaches have to develop them. Well, that's true but the players have to have to work hard to develop themselves too I mean, and i'm not sure time... that's that's gone at the same well i know it hasn't been at the same level as what it once was well, here you
1: talk about the quarterback position you know the, the one that's most visible you got trevor lawrence coming in as a freshman and leading clemson to a national championship in the dynasty years at florida state he would not have played until he was a redshirt junior
0: yeah well and that's not an fsu thing that too specifically that's a that's a college football era and it's changed since then but he's got two more years and that's scary to think about what lawrence looks like i want to finish up on one other topic because the pro football hall of fame inductions are this week and ed reed is going in which is well deserved the former miami player great safety but who's not going in again is Leroy butler and so the first the first part of this conversation I, i'm not sure who the next closest noel is To getting in but the three that you could even mention I think unless I'm leaving somebody out would be Leroy Butler, Warwick Dunn, and Anquan Bolden. Dunn just came up short is what it is his his numbers are really good but they're not Hall of Fame level. Bolden had he not retired uh, you know he could have stuck it out for another couple years and added numbers and and maybe gotten in but to me his biggest the biggest argument against him was he was always uh, he's thought of as number two because Larry Fitzgerald was on his team as compared to being the marquee guy But Leroy Butler was the first team all-decade safety of the 90s and the first player in the history of the NFL to have 20 INTs and 20 sacks. And he never even sniffs the Hall of Fame. And it's – I'm not going to put it up there with the pyramids as one of life's great mysteries, but, I mean, it is a little curious. Would you agree? I
1: I would wholeheartedly agree. And and while this doesn't necessarily play into it, but the other things that he did off of the field – and, and the thing, he continues to be involved in the in the Green Bay community. Um, yeah, that's that's a little bit. The the other guy that you didn't add to the list, we disagree on. He's not eligible yet. I I do think uh, Janikowski is going to get in at some point. Uh, he's not eligible to another three or four years. Yeah, I forgot about it.
0: I don't. There's just uh, there's like two kickers in the hall. Though. I understand. And he's only he's at ninth or
1: tenth in most of the stats. Uh, I understand, but I, I I got a feeling right,
0: wrong or indifferent. Speaking of which, and how could I forget his name? Uh, colts kicker formerly patriots who's been he's like 46 now yeah thank you thank you he won me some money i was in vegas the year that the patriots won their first as he lined up to kick that thing i had the patch straight up that was a good day there you go that was good he's still in the league though so like that's a sure bet guy (laughs) when he finishes (laughs) No, I just, I don't, I mean, yeah, the little asterisk is he invented the Lambeau leap. You know, that's nice, but he revolutionized the way safety was played because he could support the run and cover like a corner, but he's just a forgotten entity. And I don't, and what's going to happen is there's other safeties that are coming online. Like his numbers are far and away better than John Lynch, but Lynch will probably get in and Butler's still sitting there. I, I agree.
1: Don't have to convince me. All right.
0: He's also better numbers than Atwater, who was the other all decade safety in the 90s. I don't know. Again, that's nothing against Ed Reed. Ed Reed, you know, you can't argue with his. Ed Reed has twice the interceptions I think that Leroy
1: had. Not well, only that, Ed Reed was a Hall of Famer in college too. <laughs>
0: hey, Leroy had he had the punt Ruski. This is true. Uh, anything the else? Greatest
1: place since my fair lady.
0: Any anything else we need to touch on as we finish? I'm up? I'm sure
1: we've forgotten something, and we'll kick ourselves when we go off the air, but that's normally what happens yeah the
0: reason this week's show just didn't flow is because i actually did homework as you pointed out i don't know if there's screwing up would you season starts one month from today check we covered that oh cross your fingers if things go well we'll have phil Steele on here next week we usually have phil every summer and uh he's always interesting so uh hopefully that aligns and uh, and, he he has he likes the knolls against boise state let's just say that i like phil we're done we'll do this again next week and we'll be in the month of august and one week closer to that game against boise state he's keith i'm tom thanks for tuning in